The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.gracefcwesterville.org. So we're getting to the fifth commandment now. So we're getting to the second tablet of the Ten Commandments. So let's go back to Exodus chapter 20, and we'll read all the verses all the way from 1 to 12 today. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down nor the, them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of your fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all the work. But in the seventh day it's Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall, shall do no work. You nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father, your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. And that is our commandment for today. You know, one man complained, said that youth today love luxury. They have bad manners. Contempt for authority, no respect for older people. They talk nonsense when they should be working. Young people do not stand up any longer when adults enter the room. They contradict their parents, talk too much in company, guzzle their food, lay their legs on the table, and terrorize their elders. Who was this man? It was Socrates. He said this 400 years before Christ. And his words describe what young people are still like today because... That describes them as they are at any day or age. And many historians here believe that there was a significant shift in America in the 60s when attitudes towards authority took place during the 60s uh, against anti-establishments. You know, young people were anti-business, anti-government, anti-military, anti-school. But all the institutions that were attacked, perhaps the most significant was the family. And it says, honor your father and your mother. So the placement of this commandment shows special importance of the family. God gave us law, you know, on two tablets, as we said. Law divided into two parts. And traditionally, the first commandments are distinguished from the last six. The first tablet law consists of four commandments that show us how to worship God. It's God-related. And the second uh, six commandments of the government, how we treat one another. And obviously, our human relationship cannot be separated from our relationship to God, but there is a distinction. The first four commandments teach us to love God. The four commandments that we studied show us how to love God, how to worship God. And the last six teach us how to love our neighbor. But love for God must come first. Love for God, you cannot truly love one another unless we love God. And if we do not respect God, we will not respect one another. So we can hardly begin keeping the last six commandments if we don't keep the four. 
And again, the law would begin with, you know, if this is the second tablet, if you look at, look at it, and the fifth commandment will be the first one on that second tablet. And this is significant because how we treat one another starts with our families. Starts with the families. Loving our neighbors starts at home. So Augustine emphasized the importance, and he said one of these rhetorical questions. He said, if anyone who fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he would spare? And presumably not, because the relationship between parent and child is primarily a relationship that's the beginning of all human society. In ordinary circumstance, the first people the child knows are his parents. So God intends the family to be our first hospital, our first school, our first church, our first government. If we do not respect the authority in the home, we will not respect it anywhere else. Because we cannot be right in society until we're right in the home. When the home decays, the church decays. And when the church decays, society decays. And the religion, folks, that doesn't start at home doesn't start. Parents are responsible Now, what does it mean to honor? The Hebrew word means to attach weight to it. It means we're to pay attention to them. We're to give them significance to them. We'll look upon them as weighty people, um, worthy of our consideration. It is to give them the recognition they deserve for their God-given authority, to honor, respect them, value them, prize fathers, and mothers are gifts of God, right? We can't be like little Cornet when his mother was calling him and his friend's like, hey, don't you hear your mother's calling you? And he would say, well, she only called me three times, so, you know, we've got to wait for her fourth. Well, honor your father, honor your mother means attached significance. And there's many things we choose in life, right? You can choose where you're going to live. You can choose where you're going to receive Christ or not. You can choose where you kind of go to college. You can choose what business you want to go to. But you didn't have any choice about your parents, did you? No, I didn't either. I just took the first ones that came along. And I think it would be true for most of us. You just won't be able to choose. You haven't been able to choose your parents. So sometimes it puts the kids in the pickle, right? Being honorable to his father and mother. Now, the commandment says to honor the mother and father. It doesn't say honor your mother and father until you're 18, right? So we need to understand that. The concept of honor goes beyond so-called the age of adolescence. And often people, including myself, you know, and Dan pointed out this morning, he said, did you repent a lot of things before you studied this commandment and honoring your mother and father? So I think we all have those things in our lives. But when we were, I was 18, we couldn't wait till we move out of the house and get over from the authority of our parents. But even though you get rid of the authority, because, you know, one of these days kids will get married, they'll move out and be on their own. Um, so you might not be under their authority, but to honor your parents continues for the rest of your life. Sometimes, you know, we go to, you know, might say, my parents are not really honorable. Should I honor them anyways? Yes. You know, sometimes we go to court and we stand there and say, your honor. It doesn't say anything about the characteristic of that person, but it has that weight to it. And let me give you the greatest example. And by the way, um, there are no perfect parents before we start this sermon. And only perfect children deserve perfect parents. So, but the greatest fulfillment of this commandment in New Testament was Jesus himself. 
Do you remember when he was 12 years old, he got lost? They went to Nazareth and his parents were looking for him and they found him in the house of God. Look with me in Luke 2, 49, verses 49 through 51. And it says, And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. And then he went down with them and came to Nazareth. And what's that say? And was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. He was subject to them. That's the only child who ever knew more than his parents, was the most perfect being, and yet he was subject to Mary and Joseph. And when also know when Jesus died on the cross, if you look at John 19, 26 to 27, it says, When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple who he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. In that hour, the disciple took her to his home. John took Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ, to his home and cared for her. So, in a way, Jesus made a will, I say. And also, this morning, I was debating, you know, this commandment that we can talk about so much. On one side, you know, we can talk about how to be honorable parents. On the other side, we can talk about how to honor our parents. Well... Everybody here is somebody's child, so we're going to talk about how to honor your parents. So I'm going to give you seven ways or seven things how we can honor our mother and father. So again, these are not exclusive. It's just what God laid upon my heart. And the first one I'm going to say is obedience. Obedience. Obedience is becoming a lost doctrine these days, and parents, teachers are advised not, not by obedience, but they're now looking for cooperation with children and, and, and students. And, you know, kind of was sitting there thinking, my father never asked for cooperation. If I didn't cooperate, my father operated. That, that was just simple. And look at Colossians 3.20. It says, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. So, folks, when you're obeying your parents, it's not just to please your mom and dad. You must obey your parents in order to please the Lord. We all need to understand that if you displease the Lord, it doesn't matter who you please. And it's pleasing to the Lord that you obey your mother and your father. God says when you obey your parents, this is the way to live long. This is the way to have a successful life, the way to be prosperous, right? This is the way. Anybody watch that Mandalorian sitcom that comes out? That's their theme. This is the way. So that's what God's saying. This is the way. You know, I was thinking about Colorado last night, and I don't know why, but after that dinner, Colorado was on my mind. And they're the Rockies. And there's what we call a great divide. That's the place where the mountains reach its highest peak. And when water falls on the continental divide... If it falls just a little to one side, it will end up in the Pacific Ocean. If it falls on the other side, it will end up in the Atlantic Ocean, through the Mississippi Valley and so forth. And that's what happens with kids, right? They have the same opportunities, same genes. But why is it that some turn out so wrongly and some turn out good, if I can say that? Why is that? Why are they oceans apart? One of the reasons is because they didn't obey their parents. 
One did not learn how to honor their parents. And Dwight Moody said, I have lived for over 60 years and I have learned one thing, if I learned anything else. No man or woman who dishonors father or mother ever prospers. Kids, put that on your refrigerator. No man or woman who dishonors father or mother ever prospers. Now, if we want happiness for our own welfare, God is saying, to please him, obey your parents. And I want to show you something that should frighten you stiff, and it is in the New Testament. We know in the Old Testament, you know, it's like you do anything, it's death, <laughs> death. But look at the New Testament. In Romans uh, chapter 1, verses 28 through 32, it says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to the base mind to those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud boasters, inventors of evil things. And then what? Disobedient to parents. And he goes on and lists other things in verse 31, and discerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. You see all these catalog, call it catalog of sins. And God puts disobedience to parents in here, along with fornicators, envious, murderers. God says for you to be disobedient to your parents is a crime worthy of death. In the Old Testament, a child was stoned to death if he was disobedient to their parents. It's a, you know, so in any way, I don't want to tell you guys that it is a minor sin when you're being disobedient to your parents. And in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, it says this, But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, and I will say that they are here. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. Same thing as we just read in the Romans. So what God is saying is, it doesn't matter how much you, you, you come to church or Sunday school or, or sing in the choir and, and so forth. If you've been baptized, you participate in the Lord's Supper, which you sing on Sunday. If you're disobedient to your parents, you have a form of religion, but you don't have the real thing. You don't have the real thing. God doesn't make you obedient. It's bogus. It's stale. So God lists disobedience to parents as one of the marks of the last days. And these days, we put a warning, you know, we have a warning label on everything these days. Anything you buy, you look at it, there's some kind of warning label. And I think for when kids are born, we should have a warning label that says, warning, disobedient to parents may be harmful to your health, right? Let me show you something. If you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 2, in verse 12, it says, Now the sons of Eli were corrupt, they did not know the Lord. And then if you go down to chapter 3, verse 13, it says, For I have told him, and I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile and did not restrain them. So, sons are being disobedient, and there's also no correction from the parent. And what's the judgment? If you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 31-32, says, Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off the arm, arm of your father's house so that he will not be an old man in your house. And you will see an enemy in my dwelling place, despite all the good which God does for Israel. And there shall be not an old man in your house forever. 
This is what happens to disobedient, vile sons. They die young. They die young. Honor your father, your mother. That's the days so you have long days and you'll prosper. And turn with me to Ephesians 6.1. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So it doesn't say when they're right or when you feel like it. It says, for this is right. Now, if your parents are wrong and they're telling you to do something that's not appropriate, first, you know, we'll talk about that in a second, but uh, you have to obey them in the Lord. But they will suffer for it. Your parents will suffer for it. So do we obey our parents in every circumstance? Well, Scripture tells us in the Lord. If your parents tell you to kill somebody or go rob a bank or steal something, obviously you don't do that because we rather obey Lord than men. And a parent, in word for the parents, I know I'm kind of getting bashing the children, right? A word for the parents. A parent is called to be the kind that makes it easy for the children to obey him or her, to obey the parents. Um, Ephesians 6.4 says this, And you fathers... Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in training admonition of the Lord. I, I, I understand it's hard, right? I'm a parent too. Um, I, I would say Sally is not so hard, but she has her moments. On one side, you can't let them get by. On the other side, you can't promote, provoke them to wrath. So this takes a lot of prayer. prayer. And at times, children can be a, a lump in the throat, pain in the neck, right? And some children deserve to be applauded with one hand. Um, but a man was pushing, I was reading, and a man was pushing baby carriage through the park, and the baby was crying and cutting it up, and this man says, easy now, Albert. Take it easy, Albert. Careful, Albert. Take it easy. Settle down, Albert. And then for a while, you know, a woman comes along. She says, you know nothing about taking care of the children. And she's like, picks up the baby and says, now, now, Albert. He says, no, I'm Albert. He's Harold. It's tough. It's tough. But we can't provoke our children. Colossians 3.21 says the same thing. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. What does discourage mean? They lose heart. They, 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 uh, it's impossible for your children to please you. you know, if they're making C's, you want B's. If they're making B's, you want A's. If they're making all A, A's, you want all A's. You know, sometimes parents aren't pleasable, impossible. And the scripture indicates that children lose heart. They give up. What's the use? So parents need to balance this criticism with praise, and we need to have more strokes than pokes with our children. More bragging than we should be nagging. You know, if you teach your children criticism, they'll learn how to condemn. If you teach them hostility, they'll learn how to fight and so forth. There's many things. We have to be careful. You have a great deal, parents, to say with, if your children obey you or not. Parents are to respond. And one of the problems in this age with disobedient children is that the parents spend more time training their dogs than their children. Scripture tells us in Proverbs 22.6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he will not depart from it. It's hard to train a child when the parents don't go the way themselves. You know, it takes 15 years for an olive tree to become actual tree to produce fruit. In the Garden of Gethsemane, there's 2,000-year-old olive trees that produce olives to this day. Their roots are deep. But 
How do they get there? Somebody cultivated, somebody planted it, somebody took care of it. And folks, you can't be a permissive household either. A permissive household in the home is where you don't love, love enough to exercise your God-given authority. Proverbs 13.24 says, He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Proverbs 23, verses 12-14 says, Apply to your heart to instruction and your ears to the words of knowledge. Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod... And deliver his soul from hell. Now, parents, if you're afraid to put your foot down, you'll have children of you stepping on your toes. And let me say this about the unpopular subject of discipline within families. No parent enjoys discipline, right? I'm sure all of us wish we had families that we never had to do discipline. But yet, discipline is good. And Bible tells us that is one of the characteristics of God. God disciplines us. When we step out of line, if you look at Hebrews 12, 6, it says, For whom the Lord loves, he chases, and scourges every son whom he receives. God disciplines us because he cares, not because he wants to hurt us. And that's the pattern, that's the model for discipline. The purpose of discipline is never to inflict pain or, or shame. It's to help our children to understand, to learn not to harm themselves in the future, a failure to discipline your children is a failure to love. A point made in the book of Proverbs, it says in Proverbs 3.12, it says, For whom the love loves, he corrects, just as father the son in whom he delights. Now, imposing discipline may be a removal of some privileges, right? Technology these days, iPads, iPhones, I don't know, TV, computer. But it should not be psychologically hurtful. It should not be carried out in rage. It should, not, it should be appropriate to the offense. Some parents take it, you know, they do something that's not that offensive. Yes, you should discipline them, but they go beyond. It should not be carried out unless there was a clear, willful breach of something, of some rules you have in your household. You can't just start spanking them and the kid's like, what did I do? It's not to be cruel. And most importantly, it needs to be explained, especially to a child. You know, when I discipline Stella first, and you know, sometimes I, I plan on taking the belt and giving her a thing. But after I do the explanation and she understands why I'm having an issue with this in our household, there's no whipping needs to be happening because she says, I'm sorry. I understand now. I won't do it again. And she doesn't. So the parents have a great deal and whenever their children are obedient to them or not. A boy was riding a bike around the block, and he was just pacing up and down, pacing up and down, and he was crying and pacing up and down, and a police officer saw him and says, Kid, what are you doing? He said, I'm trying to run away from home. He's like, you're trying to run away from home? He said, yeah. He's like, well, you haven't even crossed the street yet. And he said, yes, I know I haven't crossed the street. I can't. My mama told me I couldn't cross the street. So train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Second way is being helpful and caring. Being helpful and caring is we should help them with housework, with other work when you're young. And Matt and Tracy's droughts Sunday school class, pay attention because I'm going to come over there Sunday and test you on all of this. You need to be helpful. Mom and dad are not meant to be your maid. They're not meant to be your butler or a money getter. 
They're not. They're, they're people, they're human beings just like you who need your help. And if there's work to be done and you're not helping, you bring shame to the family. You bring shame to your father and your mother. Proverbs 10.5 says this, He who gathers in the summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is the son who causes shame. If there's work to be done and you don't help, you're not honoring your father. You're not honoring your mother. You're shaming them. Help around the house. Don't wait until the parents ask you to do something, even if they're old. You know, uh, back in, when I worked with the youth, one kid came to me and he said he was having issues with his dad. And I said, okay, what's the issues? He said, well, dad works two jobs. He never sees us. And then he comes home and, and he just yells at me why the yard's not mowed, why his mom's car's not washed, and so forth. I said, I said, okay, what else? So he named all these things. I said, here's what you can try to do. Why don't you, before your dad even asks you, mow the yard? Before your dad even asks you, wash your mom's car and see if he changes his attitude. And to my surprise, he took that advice, implemented, and his relationship with his father improved because now he demanded to be treated as an adult when he wasn't doing anything. Now his father's seeing that he's helping out. He is treating him like an adult. So help out when, you, when you're young. Your parents are taking care of you. And the second is we need to take care of them when they're old. Um, take care of them the old. Be helpful when they're young. Be Take care of them the old. When you grow older, the roles have a tendency to reserve themselves, right? There comes a point where children almost assume the role of a parent and parent steps into the role of a child. Uh, but the Bible teaches that you have a respons- responsibility to your parents, and we face a serious problem here in the United States that it's, there's many old people. People are living longer. And many precious and dear souls have no one to take care of them. The Bible teaches if you're a Christian, you have a responsibility to take care of your mother and your father. And it's greater than your responsibility to the church. Look with me in Matthew 15, 3, 6. This is Jesus speaking. And he said, he answered and said to them, Why do you transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commandment, saying, honor your father and your mother, and he who cursed his father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father, wherever profit you might have received for me is a gift to God, and then he not honor his father or mother, thus you have made the commandment of God no effect by your tradition. What does that mean? Back in the days, there were those who went to the temple, they went to the church. They had an aged father or aged mother, and they had, you know, supposed to be taking care of them. But they said, I can't support you because I'm giving all this money to the Lord, to the temple, to the house of God. Now, it's not saying that you should not give to the church, but what that is saying, what belongs to your parents belongs to your parents. What belongs to God belongs to God. So you should be taking care of your parents. In 1 Timothy 5, 4, it says, But if any, any widow has children children or grandchildren, let them first show pity to, pay to home to repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable before God. God says, if you want to be a good Christian, take care of your mother, take care of your father. And then if you notice the verse down in verse 8, 1 Timothy 5.8, it says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those in his household, he has denied the faith and worse than an unbeliever. 
Now, we use this verse sometimes to say parents must provide for their children, but if you read it in the context, that's not what it says. It says complete opposite. It says the verse, uh, children are to provide for their age parents. That's what it says. It's our job to help them when we're young, to take care of them when they're old. And sometimes I know it's hard. It's hard when another person perhaps moved in, right, in your house, and now they're acting all childish. Well, remember that they took care of you when you were acting all childish. You know, you might have to feed them with the spoon. Well, remember one day they, they fed you with the spoon. Think about it. With all their faults, they probably made some real sacrifices for you, right? Who else would be putting up with you as they did? Have you ever thought about your parents have sacrificed for you? I'm thinking, you know, when I was thinking the, the amount of things that my father and mother had to sacrifice in their life and just leaving you know, everything they know in Russia behind just to bring us over to the States so we can have a better future. They didn't do it for themselves. They do it for us. I mean, the, the amount, now that I'm older, the, it's, it's incredible to me how much they loved us. They didn't do it for themselves. They did it for us. You know, their money could be spent on themselves instead they spend it on you, clothes, school, you know, all those for expenses. Maybe, maybe they even helped you with buy a, a new car. You know, I heard a boy talking in school, and he was, said, I'm really worried to his friend. He said, what are you worried about? He said, well, my dad just, dad just works too hard. He works overtime and provides for home and needs, and, you know, mom washes all the clothes and prepares the meals and keeps the house clean. And his friend said, then what are you worried about? He said, I'm, I'm, I'm scared they're going to escape. Parents take care of us. And it's a statistic. I don't know how they came up with it or how they did it. It takes a quarter of a billion dollars to raise a child from point zero to pass college. Quarter of a billion dollars. Million dollars. I don't know if it's right or not, but that's, I know it's a tremendous amount of work and effort to raise children. So we need to show appreciation. And the third way is by showing them respect. Simply, Respect. Leviticus 19.3 says, Everyone you shall revere his mother and his father and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Revere. In the King James Version, it says, instead of revere, it says, Fear his mother and his father. It's the same word that is used when we're, we're talking about in, in Psalm 111 and Proverbs 9. It talks about fearing the Lord. It's not that trembling feeling, uh, quake in their presence or whatever, but it means that we give them respect. So how do we give them respect? Never shoot off your mouth to your parents. Guilty. Anybody done that? You violated this commandment. In Exodus 21, 17 says, For he who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Leviticus 29, says, uh, verse, uh, chapter 20, verse 9 says, For anyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood shall be upon him. Exodus 21.15 says, And he who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. So how do we respect them? So when you shoot off your mouth or you, or you slap them or you do something, I want you to notice God does not let that slide. He does not take that lightly. And, you know, in Proverbs 30.17 it says, The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick out and the young eagles will eat it. God's using here some poetic language to show you here that there will be judgment swift to the person who shows disrespect to his parents. And I'm sure a parent needs to live again in a way that they earn 
their respect. So, you know, there was a story about a little boy at the zoo, and they were looking at some kittens, and he asked his mother, what are the animals of those? She said, those are little wildcats. He said, why are they little wildcats? He said, well, because, you know, there's a mommy wildcat and there's a daddy wildcat. So if we're acting like wildcats in our own homes, what do you expect their children to be? They're going to be wildcats. So now, sometimes, you know, parents, we need to look at ourselves, and a juvenile delinquent is sometimes just acting like his parents. That's all it is. So, but children, whenever you deem your parents worthy or not of respect, it doesn't make any difference. The Bible says you are to respect them. The fourth way is to be thankful for your parents. Another way you can express thanksgiving is being thankful. Have you done that? Have you developed an attitude of gratitude for your parents? Some of us not born in valley of wealth or wealthy homes, right? But I want to tell you that every since we're everybody's child in here, every mother has been through the valley of shadow of death to bring you into this world. They suffered long. They've done much. They nursed you. They kissed you. They educated you. They placed you in all sorts kind of investments in you. And, you know, Shakespeare said, how sharper than a serpent's tooth it is to have a thankful, thankless child. I was speaking to a wealthy man, and he turned Christian, and his father is not Christian, so he was, he was uh, trying to witness to his father, and he was telling him all about Jesus and how his father needs to come to Jesus and all these things, and he was just grilling him and grilling him, and father didn't want to talk. And, you know, he talked to his pastor, and he said, you know, how can I get through to my father? He doesn't realize that if he dies, he's going to go to hell. He needs to receive Jesus. And he said, have you been thankful for your father? And what he did was he wrote a letter to his father. He wrote a letter and he said, Dad, thank you for all the things that you did for me when I was young. And, you know, because in a way he said, what I was really doing when I said that is, hey, Dad, you brought me up. You invested all these things in me, but you're still a failure because you don't have Christ. But when he wrote a letter, he told him all the things that he was thankful for and that how much he appreciated him. His father opened up to him, and later accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. So, you know, and there was a time also in this commandment when it says your parents, if you got in-laws, it applies to your in-laws. And my wife is here, so i got to be careful. But there was a time where our in-laws lived with us. And her dad, my dad, is a, he's a philosopher. If there was a job where you continue to study, that would be him. So one of the things that he did that annoyed me, and I'm sure, I, again, I never annoyed him, uh, he brews tea. He likes to drink tea. And what he would do is he would have, in a time where we're living in a smaller house than now, and it took up all counter space, he would have five tea kettles. And he, he would brew tea. Then, then he'll let it stand there five minutes. Then he'll pour it out into the next one. And then he'll let it stand there for three minutes and then the next one. So I'm like, okay. But then one day, you know, I reached the point. I said, Pops, like, what do, you, what do you do this? He said, well, I saw it on the Internet. It's supposed to taste different after he's been doing it for like a month. And I said, well, does it taste different? He said, no. So I'm like, why are you doing it? So, you know, I was... Uh, 
I was praising the Lord because, you know, I couldn't violate the, the fourth commandment. So sometimes I will go over to my dad's house, and I tell him all these things, uh, how I'm frustrated, and, 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 you know, tell him all the father-in-law's issues and things like that. And he says, because he knew him, my father knew my father-in-law back in Russia. So he said, well, you think that's weird? Let me tell you something else. And he had me going, so he said, you know, your father-in-law was so weird that back in Russia, he planted a little flower in a cup, and then he watered it, he carried it within the church, and the flower was growing, he put fertilizer in it, he invested in that flower, and I'm, you know, sometimes I don't know my father either, like, what is, what is this story, is this real, or is this not real, like, but knowing my father-in-law, it sounds like it could be real. So he said, you know, he cultivated this flower. He, then they moved to America. He would carry it to church and all that stuff. And he had this beautiful flower. And then he said, he gave it to you. That is your wife. And he said, for anything, <laughs> just be thankful for that. Just be thankful for that. Sorry. Moving on, right? Moving on. And the fifth one is by listening and heeding their counsel. Listening to the parents' advice. Proverbs 1, 8 through 9 says this. My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be graceful ornament on your head and the chains about your neck. God is saying that your parents love you so much that they give you advice, you need to heed their advice. You need to listen to it. You honor them by listening to their advice. Someone well said, you know, and it's true for me, and I'm sure it's true for some of you here. A boy at 16 is not sure about his parents. At 19, he feels he passed them up. That's when the age we know everything, right? 20, he has completely outgrown them. By 30, he remembers that the parents were right about lots of things. And by 40, he realizes that they were just perfect. We need to listen to their Counsel. Why? Because they're older. And, and the smarter your parents will get when you become older. The more older I get, I realize how sm smart dad was about some of the things. And, you know, I should have listened to him. So here's the advantage your parents have. It's not primary the gray matter that they have. It's experience. It's experience. Your parents know a lot of things, friends. They, you may, may think they, you know, Stella brought home math. I know math. I'm finance, right? But they have this new way of doing calculations. I don't know math. Why would they change math? Math is math, right? But they change math. I don't know what they're doing. So there might be a lot of things that, that your parents don't know. They might not know technology. You know, when dad comes, he don't even know how to connect his internet phone to, to the internet. I have to do it for him. But I'm glad there's a lot of things they don't know because there are a lot of things they do know and those things you can't learn in books. It includes the gift of experience. So, you know, I remember my dad saying, you know, when I go out, he says, be home by 11. And I'll say, why I got to be home by 11? I'm an adult, you know, I'm grown. He said, exactly, that's why I'm telling you to be home by 11. <laughs> and if you're that grown, get your own house. Because he knows past 11 o'clock, what are you going to be doing as a kid? What are you, just getting in trouble. There's experience. And suppose you were taking a journey from somewhere uh, from, I don't know, from Ohio to California, if he went ahead of you, right, he calls you up, says, hey, don't take this route, 
this road's closed, or stay at this hotel, you know, it's very nice. On the way, we saw this. They're giving you what they've already been through because you haven't gone there yet. So listen to your advice. Even David said in Psalm 37, 25, he says, I have been young and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor descendants beg and brag. If you're, he's saying, if you're a child, I was young. So David knows what you're facing, but you can't say what he's saying because you're not old. So you, they already have that experience. So taking their advice, taking their heartache uh, uh, counsel, and I'm telling you, a lot of heartaches in my life, a lot of problems in my life could have been solved if I just listened to my dad. It's just the bottom line. So we need to take their counsel and listen to them. And by living an honorable life, number six, living an honorable life. Proverbs 24, 25 says this, The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice, and he who begets wise child will delight in him. Let your father and your mother be glad, and let her who bore you rejoice. So when we were little, we used to brag about dads, right? My dad can do this, my dad can do that. Give something for your parents to brag about. And I'm not talking about that pride, but not the wrong pride, the bad pride, but where he can say, thank God for my children. You see, the children are extension of your parents. So when you live and bring honor to yourself, you really bring an honor to your parents as well. So when a house is looking, you know, uh, messed up, clean it up. You're bringing honor yourself, parents seeing that you're an adult, and they're proud of those things. But if you leave the house as an unmade bed and your hair is messed up too, you're bringing shame to your parents. So we need, to, we need to live an honorable life. Don't be a disgrace. And in Proverbs 19.26, he says, Who mistreats his father and chases away his mother, the son causes shame and brings reproach. So living honorably. And number seven and last, I save the best for last, how we can honor them. By loving them. By loving them. Think of what you owe them. They gave us life. Their blood flows through your veins. There's nothing closer to God's love than the love of the parents that they have for you, for their children. And I want to tell you something. You need to express that love. You need to write that letter. You need to make that phone call. You need to send a gift, do whatever you got to do. Be helpful around the house. Fulfill a chore. Plant that kiss on the cheek. You can do it now after service. But we need to throw away the magnifying glass and quit expecting perfection out of our parents. Honor your father and your mother. And this continues, this commandment continues through all of your days, all of your life. You know, we talked about names last Sunday, and I briefly mentioned Kobe Bryant as being the name in the news. And I'm a basketball fan, so that's why I kind of mentioned him. And seeing how people pay tribute to Kobe Bryant and the NBA and so forth, and one stood out to me. It was Shaquille O'Neal. Him and Kobe used to play together, and they had some kind of feud. Supposedly, it was put to rest. But on national television... Shaq felt, Shaquille O'Neal felt that he didn't get to say goodbye to Kobe in the proper way. So he felt there were some things that he should have apologized for. So what he did was he called everybody else that he had a feud with and apologized. What I'm trying to say, folks, I know one of these days 
at their funeral, at your parents' funeral. You'll buy a big floral arrangement. You'll talk about what a good mother she was, what a good old dad he was. But here's the thing. Dead noses smell no roses. So if you got a rose to give, give it now. Give it now. Give it to them. Write a letter. It might sound corny, but you know what? There's, there's in my wallet upstairs, I still have a little thing that Stella wrote to me when she was four. It's just a picture of a stick guy, supposed to be me, and it says, I love you, Papa. I love that. I keep that. When I get discouraged, I look at that. So write him a letter. But some of you may say, I'm not married. I have no children. My mother and father have long gone since gone to heaven. How does this commandment apply to me? My dear friend, you have a heavenly father, and you better live to honor him. You ought to have a heavenly home. And so much of what I've said today could be applied to your heavenly father, your heavenly parent, who is worthy of honor and praise. Psalm 68, 5 and John 14, 18 says this, A father of the fatherless and the defender of widows is guide in his holy habitation. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And you know, when Jesus on the cross, he paid the penalty for us breaking this fifth commandment as much as for any other sin that he died for. But Jesus has done more to that. He kept that commandment. He kept that commandment perfectly. It was not enough for Jesus to pay the price for our sins. He also had to offer God obedience that this law demands. And Jesus did that. He honored his parents. But even keeping the fifth commandment is honored his earthly parents. He also honored his heavenly father. In Philippians 2.8 it says, And being found in appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus had to be obedient. Jesus had to please his father. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's, he's like, can, can, can this pass? Can this do? But then he says, your will be done. He's being obedient to his father. From the manger to the cross, Jesus was obedient and he brought honor to his earthly parents and his heavenly father. Here's some good news. Though God is God of the universe, that doesn't get away from him being our father. He's running things. He got millions and millions of children that he must govern, if you want to put it that way. But as God, he makes himself available to us. In Romans 8.15 we read, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom you cry out, What? Abba, Father. Is he your father? I mean, is God your father? Have you been born again? You see, God, when God becomes your father, Jesus becomes your Savior. But when God is not your Father, Jesus is not your Savior, and Satan is your Master. Do you know the Lord? Are you saved? Have you analyzed your life? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the way, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Again, is he your Father? Does the Spirit of God in you cry out, Abba, Father? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful time of fellowship, for your word, for reminding us that we should be honoring our mothers and our fathers all day, the days of our life. And Father, help us 
love them, take care of them, because they sacrifice so much for us. And even though there's not everyone's born in a perfect home, maybe some people born in a broken home, I pray that you touch their hearts. And you said you will not leave us as orphans, and you become their father, so they can feel that love, feel that comfort, and understand the sacrifice you made on that cross for them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.